Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to the Daily Digest from Football Digest. I'm Nick Keating and joining me this morning are Freddie Keeley and Aaron Stokes as we run the ball over the latest news from the January transfer window. Um, chaps, there are murmurings that the transfer window might be starting to kick into life. Obviously not long now until deadline day next week. Um, Aaron, I'm going to come to, to you first because... You are the Newcastle fan on the pod this morning. Now, unfortunately, it's not great news that we've had from Newcastle overnight. You know, we spent many, many hours this month and, and many times in this podcast talking about Diego Carlos and how near it was and how close it was uh, to, to a deal being completed, obviously coming from Sevilla. Um, but the word on the street overnight is is that Sevilla are now keen to keep hold of the Brazilian. Um, I mean, you wouldn't blame them. They're obviously well-placed in the Liga um, and, and obviously trying to chase down Real Madrid and, and perhaps win the title there. But, you can't help but feel they've almost led Newcastle up the garden path here a little bit, you know, kind of, there was so much talk about this deal being close to completion uh, and now it looks like it's on the verge of collapsing. Yeah, it's a tricky one because obviously this has been, you know, it's been quite a long-running thing all through January that you know, Newcastle was, you know, were keen to sign him. He's been their main target in defence for a while along with uh, Sven Botman from Lille. So, yeah, it's it's difficult. Um, you know, Newcastle have, have got this problem now where they've got all this money and clubs are probably going to start charging them a premium for players that they wouldn't usually have have charged them for that in the past. So, look, it, it, it's clear that he's a fantastic player. Um, you know, Liverpool have been keen on him in the past. There's talk that Spurs would be in from him as well. Um, so, you know, Newcastle fans were really excited that they were going to get this coup, um, you know, to sort of kickstart the second half of their season and it just doesn't look like it's going to be the case. Um, you know, I actually was told earlier this month, really, really early in the window, that, you know, a deal of 25 million wouldn't cut it for Carlos because, as you say, you know, Sevilla have been desperate to hold on to him. Um, you know, like you say, four points off Madrid in the league, it's looking like a two-horse race for the title. Um, you can understand, you know, why they were so desperate to keep him. It's just obviously it's a shame for Newcastle when, you know, they really do need defensive reinforcements in at the moment. Freddie, at this stage in the window, there's not long left to go. And you look at that and you kind of think that this was such a key target, as Aaron said there, you know, it was between him and Sven Botman as their kind of first choice centre-half signing, which which Newcastle do obviously need, you know, the, the defence is an area which we all know they need to shore up between now and Monday. Um, for that to, for a move like that to collapse so late in the window, having, you know, as we said earlier, having for it to have gone on for, for pretty much most of this month, you know, and, and we we're kind of almost expecting, just almost waiting for confirmation. Does it now put Newcastle in a difficult situation? Uh, and again, it goes back to what Aaron said about the, the premiums that they were being charged anyway because of the new money that they've got. They might be finding that they're going to be charged a little bit more again because we're so close to the end of deadline day. Yeah, no, they're definitely in a in a in a really tricky situation. It's um, they've there is so much optimism coming into the January window, and and I don't think um necessarily there's 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 so much to be optimistic about now. I mean, on, on paper, Trippier and Wood are some good signings can really strengthen um a survival bid. 
but they came into this window targeting much more than just a, just a fullback and a striker. Um, and I think, I'm, I think many fans, um, I think Aaron might agree that, that they've wanted two centre-backs, let alone one. And uh, now now it's looking like they're not going to be able to get either of those. And you're certainly right what you're saying about a kind of, um, I think Eddie Howard's talking about a Newcastle tax now, a premium that they're being charged purely because of the, the club's new ownership. Um, and you severe quoting 40 million for Diego Carlos. You wonder whether... Um, you wonder whether like Newcastle could just raise himself to that and meet that target because he's clearly doing a phenomenal job. So they have the best um, defensive record in La Liga. Um, but now they've, yeah, they're definitely backed into a corner now, five days remaining in the window. And um, they're going to have to, yeah, kind of try and pull a rabbit out of the hat to um, make sure that they've got a squad capable of, um, capable of surviving. Aaron, one name that I have seen linked uh, since the news came out that Carlos was likely to be completed this month, um, one name that I have seen linked is Adam Mertzak from Brighton. Um, I wonder if, from your point of view, whether or not that might be a better signing for, for Newcastle if they were to complete it. You know, you look at who they brought in so far and Kieran Trippier and Chris Wood, two players who know the Premier League extremely well. Adam Webster, again, is a player who knows the league extremely well. I don't want to kind of dish up the old cliche of, oh, these signings from abroad, they need time to gel into the Premier League, but I am. Um, and in that respect, you know, all these players that if they were to come from abroad that Newcastle signed, they would need time to obviously gel with the squad and, and get used to a different style of play, a different league potentially. So I'm trying to give you a silver lining here in, in missing out on a brilliant target in, in Diego Carlos. But, uh, you know, as I said, there, there, there is a chance that actually Adam Webster might be for the here and now for what Newcastle need between now and the end of the season might be a better fit. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with you. I think, you know, for all, you know, Diego Carlos and Sven Botman are fantastic players. You don't know how they're going to react to English football, you know. They're very good in La Liga and Liga, but it's a different kettle of fish over here and it's a different style of play. Or they're going to settle in the country with the lifestyle. So it is a bit of a gamble when you're, you're bringing players in from abroad. Um, Adam Webster, you know, he's fantastic. Um, he's on the cusp probably of, of getting his first England call-up. Um, you know, he's a regular at Brighton. They love him down there. It would it would be a very good signing, I think, and I think your Castle fans agree. Um, the only problem is obviously, whereas you've got you know this new premium of of signing players from abroad, trying to sign players like Adam Webster is now you've got the added you know sort of negative of trying to sign them from league rivals really because you know I think they were very lucky to get Chris Wood from Burnley. I don't think that would have happened if it, there hadn't been a release clause. So when you look at Adam Webster, you know he's got four and a half years left on his Brighton deal. I mean, Brighton probably aren't going to go down this season, but they're battling with Newcastle every year for, for Premier League spots. So, you know, we're talking about £40 million for Diego Costa. It might cost them, you know, round about the same money if they're going to sign Webster or someone from, you know, a, a Premier League side. So, look, I think it's a deal that will be very hard to be done in the next couple of days. I don't think Brighton will be, you know, a willing seller. Uh, it will probably take a bit of money. And I just think, you know, you've seen other names banded around. I think someone like Nat Phillips from Liverpool is probably a much more realistic target. You know, Liverpool will probably cash in on him for about 15 million. You know, he did very well when he sort of filled in for Liverpool last season. So I just think it's it's a difficult time for these new Newcastle owners because they really need to, you know, they need to bring in players and but they also need to go about it the right way. So if there's players available, you know, for, you know, less money who make just as much sense and I think they need to do that as well. And, even though the money's there, you know, they don't have to spend it just yet. Freddie, in terms of 
another player that Newcastle were looking at on this show yesterday, we were talking about uh, a deal uh, being done potentially to bring in Jesse Lingard on loan, whether or not it would suit him, suit Newcastle, suit and United. We're all in the agreement that actually it probably would suit most parties involved. However, flash forward 24 hours and we're now talking about, again, another deal that looks like it's unfortunately collapsing for Newcastle because, again, going back to that, that point that we've kind of discussed throughout this, there is this premium now and, and even for loans, you know, there's fees that Newcastle being expected or being told that they're going to have to pay to get players. And they're not necessarily thinking that that's a good deal for them. Um, and that is the issue here with Lingard, that Man United are, are looking... And, it, and it's, in essence, it's a, it's a bit of a strange one. It's a player that United aren't overly keen on. We've seen that uh, under Solskjaer, under Ranić. Money for him for six months before he inevitably leaves on a free transfer in the summer, because I think we're all in agreement there that he isn't going to be at Old Trafford next season. Um it, it just seems a strange one that United would almost set the bar a little bit too high on this one and potentially not necessarily price Newcastle out of it. Of course, they could afford it if they wanted to, but go a little bit above and beyond what Newcastle were, were looking to pay for him. Yeah, in, in this case, you almost wonder whether United are thinking long-term and perhaps viewing Newcastle as uh, one-day competitors for what they're, what they're after as well. But um, no, not to get ahead of themselves. But um, yeah, you, you, you hear that Martial, in fact, has gone to severe without them paying a, like quite a lofty loan fee, which was being touted. And then you wonder why... Uh, as you say, Newcastle are being um, charged this premium to try and get him. Um, I mean, the, the package in itself isn't isn't attractive financially for for the, for the Saudis and the uh, for the owners there because they're covering in all the wages hundred thousand pound a week. And I'm, I think there are reports today saying that in in total it's going to cost them fifteen million for a loan that's you know till till the end of the season. And then um, Lingard, you know, he won't be he won't be sticking around. If, if the worst happens and they and they do drop to the championship, so it's um there's a lot of money and there are there are other players out there. I mean, there was talk that Aaron Ramsey might have had a change of heart, um, and it seems like Don Donny Van der Beek favours Crystal Palace at the moment, but um another another Man United one to way um kind of playmaker. So um I guess there comes a time where you you really need to strengthen, but you also can't just um keep on raising your bid and bowing to the demands of, of a club like Manchester United. Aaron, just just finally on Newcastle before we move on to other subjects today, uh, there was another name that, that that was being banded about in the in the press this morning, Bruno Grimoresh from Lyon. Um, they themselves are in a bit of a financial uh, difficulty at the minute, so there, there could be a deal done here. This is a player who has been linked with Arsenal previously in the past quite extensively. Um, I think around a, a £30 million move um, for him is, is being suggested. Um, is he the right kind of midfielder that, that Newcastle are perhaps looking at? Though we spoke about Lingard, we've previously spoken about Deli Ali potentially coming in and, and adding maybe a little bit more creativity to the side. But is Bruno Gomeresh the kind of midfielder that Newcastle need as well? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you know, I'd say their priority at the minute is definitely signing a centre back. But I think if they are going to sign an attacking player in the next couple of days, then it needs to be, you know, I'd say a number 10 or someone that can link up the play. You know, Miggy Almiron's out the team at the minute. Uh, Joel Linton is, well, you know, he's not a striker. He's not a really a centre midfielder. He's not a 10. Um, so they are really sort of missing that sort of, you know, link in the middle. Um, you know, so someone like Guimaraes or, or Aaron Ramsey, you know, fits the bill. Um, I think it's just going to be another one of those where, as you say, he's been linked with Arsenal for so long now. Juventus as well. You know, Newcastle have got the money. Leon probably want the money. It is probably going to boil down to whether the player you know, wants to sort of snub these Champions League teams for a, you know, a relegation dogfight in a league that he's never played in. So, look, I think, you know, 
everybody that's you know watched him play and seen him is is quite happy and excited and wants the deal to get over. So a lot of Arsenal fans complaining last night that you know they are potentially going to miss out on him. So it'll be an interesting signing if they can land him and and definitely what they needed you know in the, in the fight of survival. Freddie, we're going to jump from one team that's got plenty of work to do in the transfer window to another team that's got a lot of work to do in the transfer window as well, but a little bit further south in Tottenham. Heading into this month, there was talk about the fact that they need four players or, or Conte was wanting four players as a kind of show, as a sign from the board that they believed in his long-term vision for the club. Uh, we are, what is it now? January 26th and there's not a single new face new, through the door at Tottenham, unfortunately. Uh, is if if they are going to show that to Conte, it is going to be a busy day in North, uh, busy week in North London uh, between now and deadline day on Monday. But one name that's been linked with them uh, today is Luis Diaz of Porto. Now I remember on, on one of the shows that we've done earlier this month, uh, we're talking about how Liverpool were, were closing in on him for sixty million pounds. I think was that was the fee that was being discussed back then, and this is only a couple of weeks ago. Um, so it's it's almost quite Spursy in a way that they put in a bid of thirty eight million pounds in the hope that it might have been <laughs> accepted. Um, funnily enough, it's not been. Um, it's got a release clause, I think, of sixty seven million. If Spurs are, are wanting Luis Diaz in the form that he's in for Porto, they're going to have to pay a lot closer to that than the thirty eight million that they've already put in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's got he's got sixteen goals from from the left wing for them, and, and there's no need for them to be parting ways for. Anything, anything that's not near that release clause, and uh, you're quite right. Conte must be wondering. Well, and I think, well, he's been quite open about saying that he's wondering what he's got himself involved in um, this season. When, um, when the, the full magnitude of the task was uh, kind of became clear, um, and you you look at his history um, with clashing, bucking heads with um, club chiefs um, into Chelsea, and you and you wonder whether. That could be um, the end product of um, the end result if Daniel Levy doesn't back him here because he's got a track record of wanting to target proven players and that comes at a, a higher transfer fees. That's what that brings. So they're going to have to raise their bid if they really do want Luis Diaz. And um, obviously, it'd be a really, it'd be a really exciting signing. And I think, um, but well, I think you question whether that's really the area they need to strengthen most in this window. Um, it's a it's, it's Tottenham's can be quite a I, I'm looking at the, the squad now and I'm thinking there's a lot of good players here but um they're almost it's almost like just a kind of 10 percent golfing quality from where they need to be to be f- like finishing the top four regularly so if you ask me they'd be better off kind of targeting players like play, for less money across the board that can just give them that extra bit of quality across the field rather than one marquee signing in an attack where they're probably already quite strong. Aaron, just just continuing the theme about Conte and, and what he's wanted, you know, I can remember his earlier press conferences in January where he's talking and he's saying, I need a meeting with the board, I need a meeting with the board. Do you kind of, you wonder now whether or not Tottenham may have sold him a dream that they can't fulfil in a way, you know, like there was all this talk when he came in and he knew that he had to build and he was assessing his squad and and to be fair, what was it? He came in in, in November, so he had a good couple of months to, to really gets grips with his squad, understands what he needed, understands what he wants. Um, and, and he has done that. And obviously he sees Luis Diaz and, and other players. I think Sofia and Amrabat was another one linked, uh, a holding midfielder with Fiorentina, uh, currently impressing at uh, the Africa Cup of Nations with Morocco. 
So these are players that he's, he's earmarked, he's looked at, and he's thought that these can take us to the next level. But uh, as Freddie kind of touched on there, if Daniel Levy's still in the background and he's still trying to, to do what we know he's done in the past, I, I think is the most, uh, it's the least offensive way I can say such a sentence um, as, as a Spurs fan. But he's not one that's been splashing out. You know, I mean, you look at a recent acquisition on, on Tommy and Dombele, that's not worked out. You wonder whether or not, again, that's going to have burnt Tottenham's fingers. And I think, and, and especially for Levy to kind of think, no, we can't be splashing out these big feats. And there is going to be that, that moment, isn't there, where what Conte wants and what Levy can deliver, it's not necessarily going to meet. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I was surprised Conte took the job you know, when he did, because obviously, you know, they went from before Nuno and, you know, he sort of turned it down and he thought that it Spurs just doesn't seem like a club that fit his sort of profile. You know, he does like to go to clubs and spend money. So when he went to Tottenham, I was like, well, you know, Daniel Levy's either sold him a promise that he probably won't keep or, you know, something's changed. So it's a tricky one because he is sort of, you know, I saw him in an interview last week when they lost to Chelsea and he does seem a bit fed up already. Um, you know, this is the first transfer window he's had, and already that you know he doesn't seem to be landing the players that he wants. So, you know, it's sort of a crossroads moment for Daniel Levy because you know he's he's pulled a rabbit out the hat here to get someone like Antonio Conte at the club. He's been there since November. You can already see that his style of play is rubbing off on the players. You know, with his you know his fullbacks are up in the opposition box, and you know Kane's sort of you know scoring again. You, you can't lose Antonio Conte for all his faults and his, you know, his controversy. He's a he's a huge coup for Spurs. So I think if Tottenham can get through this January with maybe one or two good additions to keep him on side, strengthening the summer, then we'll be talking about Tottenham in the top four next year. I think so. You know, it, but like you say, you've touched on as, as Spurs fans, you know what Daniel Levy's like more than me, and you know I think it'll be a surprise if we see any big names, you know, coming in before. For the end of the month, Tottenham in the top four. We can definitely have you on again. I like that, um, <laughs> but I know I know I've got to wait until next season for it at least. But yeah, um, but Freddie, in terms of where Spurs do need to to, to strengthen, um, I think we're probably all in agreement on here that Luis Diaz and, and a winger is not what they need. Stephen Bergwijn's come back in from the cold, done brilliantly last week against Leicester. Seems to have stopped any ideas that he might be leaving for Ajax this window. Obviously, Human Song's out injured at the minute, but when he comes back, he's probably going to be starting. Lucas Moura seems to be blowing more hot than cold under Antonio Conte, I think. So that that position isn't really where they need to strengthen. It's probably further back and, and midfield as well, you know, much like Newcastle, perhaps needing that creative spark in the middle of the park to link between defence and attack and equally possibly maybe another right wing back as well. I mean, it's not like they've got two already and ditched the third one. Uh, back in the summer as well, wasn't it? Or, or a couple of summers back. They're, um, yeah, Spurs seems to like collecting right wing backs and, and they might be on course to get another one before the window shuts. Yeah, no, so I completely agree with what you're saying about the attack there. And Lucas has been probably, for a lot of the time, Conte's been um, been at the club. He's been one of the standout performers. I've obviously um, Bergwijn, he's always, always a player I've controversially liked, actually, even when my Spurs, Spurs mates ha- haven't liked him. But yeah, glad to see him... Um, Sink Leicester the other day, just from a from a fan point of view, neutral fan point of view, very entertaining. But um, yeah, so that attack when you when you factor in Son and Kane, it really doesn't look like it needs much reinforcement. You look at central midfield, and I'm speaking of players that blow hot and cold. I think Pierre Emil Hoiberg on his day can be brilliant, but also can um, can drop a clanger every now and then. 
But then um, I, I like what Conte has been doing with with Winks in particular and Ollie Skip. He kind of he, he really likes those workmen like midfielders. Um, so I've been impressed by them. But you wonder whether that's really the long term solution there. Um, so perhaps you're looking at central midfield, and um, yeah, I mean the the wing back uh, the wing back situation has been um, has been troublesome ever since. Well, I suppose on the right since Carl Walker left, really, and then um, on the left, maybe since Danny Rose kind of um, dropped out of the uh, out of the eleven as well. Um, Davinson Sanchez, another player who can be absolutely um, brilliant on his day, um, and but you, I mean since. Um, yeah, it's been it's been kind of troubling trying to find that centre back partnership there, especially with the three at the back as well. Um, I know you've been depleted by injuries, um, but it was it was important to tie down Larice to a new deal at least because no one wants their club captain and their their kind of longest serving serving player there um, out of contract in the summer and that uncertainty is not something you need. Um, so I don't envy the job Levy's got on his hands to be honest because there are there are positions that need strengthening, but there's no. There's no glaring issue if if that makes sense. Yeah, so it's almost like kind of trying to put a new lick of paint on the car is what you're trying to say. Like there's a few scuffs and scrapes, but you know the the car still otherwise works fine. Exactly. That's what you're it trying to be, say. It can definitely be improved, but I'm not sure where the uh, where the key area is compared to you looking at Newcastle and the centre back has to be the priority. Um, I just don't think there is that that clear pressing need. Gents, moving on again now uh, and, and going abroad a little bit. We're, we're going continental for once on this podcast. Uh, Jorginho Wijnaldum, a player that left the Premier League, left Liverpool last summer, uh, joined PSG on a free transfer, but it hasn't necessarily worked out for him there in the French capital. Um, it's, it seems weird when we know the World Cup's in November, but we're already talking about players potentially moving to try and get minutes ahead of that uh, tournament in Qatar later this year. Um, and, and Aaron, looking at the papers this morning, it seems that Arsenal might be leaving the chase for him uh, and it seems to ask them are keen on the midfielder previously linked with Arthur Mello um, they probably need central midfielders because theirs at the minute have a habit of uh, picking up red cards unfortunately um, could, you, could you see this move potentially coming off? I mean look I think it would be a fantastic move for Arsenal um, personally you know I would maybe have doubts that Wijnaldum fancies the move you know he's currently you know, the richest club in the world um, you know Arsenal, you know, do they still have that same pulling power that they did? I'm not so sure. But if Wijnaldum fancies it and if PSG are willing to let him go, then I think it's an absolute no-brainer for Arsenal. Um, as you touched on, their midfields are, you know, liabilities really. You know, Granite Xhaka is just Granite Xhaka. Uh, Thomas Partey's very hit and miss. Uh, El Nenny just, you know, I don't think he's really, you know, that level that Arsenal needs. So I think it's a, it would be a fantastic move for Arsenal. He's 31 years old. He would add a lot of experience to, you know, what is quite a youthful side. So it ticks all the boxes. I think that again, it's just been one of those moves where it depends on if the player fancies it. Um, you know, I mean, look, Arsenal, you know, they're still battling and they're on the top four. Teta, you know, is a very good young coach. So and and why now they've has got to sort of deal with the fact that, you know, Pochettino's got Ander Herrera and Danilo and Paredes and Verratti and it's it's a big PSG squad with a lot of talented midfielders and like you say, has Wijnaldum just got one eye on the World Cup in his future? You know, this probably is going to be his last. So, yeah, look, I think if Arsenal can get the deal done, then it's it's an absolute no-brainer. He's a fantastic player. Freddie, we're going to leave the transfer news to one side for the final bit on today's podcast. Just wanted to get your thoughts on Watford. Um, obviously sacked 
Claudio Ranieri earlier in the week. Uh, they're on to their third manager of the season now in Roy Hodgson. Uh, this is something that we've become accustomed to with Watford since they're coming to the Premier League. You know, very, very much a higher and fire culture um, in there. Roy Hodgson, the latest in the hot seat at Vicarage Road, tempted out of retirement by a relegation battle. Um, they always say that the, the, the best managers always have that itch, don't they? That they can never give it up fully. And I think we've seen that with Roy Hodgson. We've seen that with Sam Allardyce last season as well. Um I doubt they're going to be making too many waves in the transfer window between now and, and Monday. Obviously, already brought in a few players. So is this now a case of Roy Hodgson's been brought in to to try and get the best out of the squad that they've got and try and keep their heads above water, try and get out of the relegation zone first and foremost, and then stay above that between now and the end of the season? Yeah, I, I can't. Again, as you say, they've been quite busy. One of the busier Premier League sides so far in the window. Um, so you wonder whether... Well, Hodgson's obviously discussed um, how how whether he'll be getting backed in the window, and uh, you kind of think when a manager comes in this stage of his career and has just that six month appointment, he often does like to bring a couple of trusted hands with him. Um, I think you say Redknapp, Allardyce would definitely uh, definitely agree with that approach. Um, But um, yeah, Hodge. It doesn't seem like Hodgson's been. been brought in for the long term here where he's going to be bringing in um, a couple of signings that Watford are going to build around the, their team around for the future. It seems um, like they've gone for a, you know, a figurehead, a leader that can um, get them out of this trouble if anyone can. Um, and obviously he did a you know, phenomenal job four seasons at Palace doing that. And he set them up pretty well now for what, um, what Patrick Vieira is doing there. So um, it's a it's a shrewd appointment. Um, Ranieri went out with lots of grace, as you'd expect. Um, very touching interview as he as he departs, and now it's um as a new man in the uh, the training ground, and um, it's going to be really intriguing to see whether it whether it plays out, whether he can lead them from um from the drop zone, or whether Watford are going to go for a fourth manager this season. Uh, I think I put my money on the latter, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, but, gents, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Really appreciate your time, as ever. Uh, of course, you can keep up to date on all the latest transfer news on the Mirror, the Express, and the Daily Star websites, as well as across Reach's regional titles as well. Uh, but all that's left for me to say is goodbye. Goodbye.